From the four corners of Southern California, this is The Hot Seat, and you're in it with me, Max Schwartz. It starts right now. Today on the phone, I have as the sixth candidate for Los Angeles County Sheriff to call into the hot seat, James Helmold. How are you, Mr. Helmold? Thank you very much for taking the time to call into the hot seat. Oh, doing great. Bring it on. Fantastic. And this is a continuation of the hot seat sheriff candidate series, so I will be sticking to my election protocol. And one one note, I had previously said that Adam Plimpton would be the next guest to call into the hot seat. However, there was a last-minute scheduling change, so he will be calling into a later episode. That is the reason Mr. Helmond is following Jim McDonald. Now, I've got lots of questions for the candidates and not a lot of time, so without further ado, let's get started. And before I actually start with the in-depth questioning, I want to ask where you were doing this interview from because you cannot do politics from the sheriff headquarters. No, in fact, I've taken a leave uh, for the next five weeks between now and June 3rd because I'm going to focus fully on the campaign. We've had gro- great momentum on the campaign, so now i got to go all the way with it. So I'm off. <laughs> okay. And why are you running for Los Angeles County Sheriff? Well, I'm running for Sheriff of Los Angeles County because I want to continue the reforms that uh, we've effected over the past couple years. We've had a troubled sheriff's department. And uh, we need to continue reforms, but we also need to come with a modern, progressive approach into the future of our sheriff's department. Yes, we need to fix some problems, but this is more about the future of the sheriff's department. And uh, being a 46-year-old energetic person with new ideas, that's why I'm running for sheriff. Okay, and we'll talk about the reforms as we get deeper into the interview. The sheriff is is the head of the police agency for the largest county in the country and the head of the largest jail system in the country. Why should the voters trust you to hold this important, powerful post? Well, they should trust me because uh, I currently serve as the assistant sheriff over all patrol and detective operations where we've seen the historic lows in crime reductions since I've been in that position. And we've done this through demanding, uh, laying out clear expectations and demanding accountability to those expectations, and being someone who's actually effective within the organization to uh, to ensure that people are paying attention to those details. A follow-up to that, because you say that you're in, people should trust you because you are in charge of patrol and detective operations, but the, in terms of patrols in the Antelope Valley, there's been racial profiling going on. Right, yeah, there's allegations of racial profiling, and uh, we have 42 contract cities in all of the unincorporated uh, patrol throughout Los Angeles County. And in Antelope Valley, there was I was brought in after um, these allegations were made to sort of clean it up. Uh, I've been known as sort of a problem solver within our organization. Um, when there was allegations of misconduct in the jails, I was brought in to uh, implement the reforms of the jail commission. When there was the allegations, uh, such as the one you mentioned, um, for this racial profiling, and uh, quite frankly, some others as well, I was brought in to command all the patrol and detective operations because I'm able to identify problems, but not just complain and whine about them, but to come up with real solutions, policy, supervision, training, and oversight, and get things done. So I'm going to get ahead of myself here. So then has the uh, racial profiling stopped in the NL Valley and other places? Well, you know, you can have politicians come up here and say, uh, well, everything's fixed and it's all done and it's all, everything's great now. But that's not an honest answer. That's not real. And I'm not a politician. I'm, I'm a problem solver and a crime fighter. So if you want an honest answer, the honest answer is what, what I can promise you is that there are clear policies, there's clear supervision, and there's clear oversight now. And But if there's violations of those policies, we're going to hold people accountable. But just to blanket say, hey, it'll never happen again, 
You know, um, I'd love to say that, and I'm confident that people understand the expectations of me, but that's just not an honest answer. That's you're never as long as we recruit from the human race, we're never going to have perfection. But what we're going to do is demand perfection and demand accountability to those standards that we have. So uh, you're not going to get a political answer from me. You're going to get an honest answer, and the honest answer is we've addressed it through realistic expectations and accountability. And if people um, step out of line, then they're going to be dealt with. And um, that's what I can promise as far as that commitment and the openness and transparency to hear those concerns and complaints. See, a lot of the complaints were that we weren't responsive to the complaints and, and the concerns that were brought up. So uh, that's what we're going to be responsive to, and we're going to try to hold people accountable when those things emerge. Have response times improved since you've taken over? Oh, absolutely. Uh, every command that I've had, the response times uh, become uh, under the national norms. Uh, generally speaking, you know, um, I've... I've spoken at national forums where we talk about uh, best practices, particularly in uh, major uh, metropolitan areas throughout Los Angeles County. The Sheriff's Department in the stations that I've commanded have dramatically reduced. Uh, we always shoot for 3, 7, and 27, three minutes to an emergency response, seven to a priority, and 27 to a routine call. Now, sometimes, see, it's about priorities. We have to make sure that our people are prioritizing what they're responding to. Certainly emergencies and priorities uh, calls where, um, you know, emergencies like domestic violence or a robbery now and things of that, you know, we need to have our sheriffs and our law enforcement there right away. And so that happens by making sure that people understand what their priorities, that we're focused on these real issues as opposed to overreaching for minor, minor issues. But... Um, even the routine calls, so to speak, the after-the-fact or uh, minor calls, those every single call needs to be answered, and we'll always um, attend to. But yes, to answer your call, uh, your question directly, yes, we we have improved our response times. And for clarification, based on that response, then are you reorganizing the patrol bureaus to have a greater emphasis on domestic violence, or are you just citing that as example, as an example? Well, that's an example, but, but domestic violence is certainly a uh, high priority. You know, we have a lot of situations that occur where you have people um, causing injury, even within their own family or even children, and we have to be immediately responsive to that. That's why I was a uh, key witness in uh, the new blue panel uh, commission that the Board of Supervisors uh, put together on how to respond to um, domestic violence or even child abuse and things of that nature. So we need a total transformation in the way things are handling it. But to me, it's, it's about priorities. And so, yes, that's a, that is a high priority, obviously, for us. Okay. And now in response, and as a clarification to the previous question, or as an addition to the, I'm sorry, the original question, why should people trust you even though you were in the department while all these scandals were taking place? Yeah, that's it. I think that's a fair question um, because I was in a command position, although I was not assigned to the jails when all of this occurred. I was, I was a patrol captain at one of our largest stations, uh, actually one of the largest stations in the, in the nation, quite frankly, and uh, it was in Linwood, an unincorporated area. We had, we had a lot of success. And so because I was brought in to, uh, after these allegations of misconduct in the jail, the reason people should trust me is, they already have trusted me. I was brought in to deal with 
these allegations of misconduct, and we dealt with it head on. I was a commander as part of uh, a team that worked with the jail commission to identify the problems and then come up with policies, supervision, and training to uh, deal with it and then also hold people accountable. That means discipline people, and in some uh, extreme cases, uh, people were arrested and charged with, uh, with offenses. So um, I've already been dealing with these issues. I was already trusted, and I received a lot of commendation from the jail commission um, who was brought in as an independent commission of retired judges and whatnot to actually implement reforms. So, um, so that that's exactly why I would uh, really challenge people to trust my judgment because it's already been quite effective in revamping these reforms. And then when it came to, like for example, you brought up the Antelope Valley, uh, I, I've been called upon um, by people throughout the Antelope Valley to run for sheriff because I was actually in there solving problems as opposed to uh, complaining or talking about it. And then after the dust settles, nothing getting getting done. No, that's not how I operate. I actually get things done. Okay. And moving on now, will you run the department like it is a law enforcement agency, like it is a business, or like a combination of of the two? And will you manage like the law enforcement officer who holds the highest rank in the agency, or will you manage like the manager of a business? Well, um, actually, what I'm proposing is that a total transformation of the way we run the sheriff's department currently. And what do I mean by that? I want to bring a young, new, energetic ideas and, and a business of modern business approach to the sheriff's department and i since we have the time in this great in-depth sort of interview format I'll, I'll lay out exactly what that means first of all setting priorities okay what i mean by priorities is where are we dedicating our resources are we overreaching for minor offenses or are we focusing on what the community wants which is serious and violent felonies but then also things that cause um a hindrance to our family safety and our community safety, such as uh, speeding vehicles, uh, graffiti throughout our neighborhoods, things of that nature. So what kind of realistic programs are we coming from? So we have these public safety strategies um, that are going to be done, and, and, and the reason that has sort of a nexus to a business approach is because oftentimes what happens is with the traditional law enforcement um, culture is that you're responding after the fact as opposed to forecasting and planning. So when you made great reference to, hey, are you going to run this like a business? Yes, in some ways we will because we're going to forecast and sort of predict what are some of the issues that we see on the forefront. One one good example of that would be... We don't need examples because I, I have a clarification question on that note, and okay, you, go, you'll, go. Have a, you'll have a chance to give examples in a moment. But does that mean that you plan on bringing in sort of a person to operate as a CEO that is, I guess, I guess, lateral to you as sheriff? Well, where, where since we would, so when we're, when we're talking about operating a $2.7 billion budget, absolutely. Do we want a cop running that? I would say at the end of the day, no. But we do need a cop um, establishing what public safety priorities are. So the whole point to your question would be, to, in my mind, getting subject matter experts in each field. So when it comes to identifying and tackling public safety issues, certainly we're going to have someone like myself who's been a respected figure in law enforcement for more than 25 years, but when it comes to budgetary matters and forecasting, absolutely we need someone who has the competencies to uh, run that organization in a $2.7 billion budget. So you would manage then like a law enforcement officer and you'd let someone else manage the business side? That's right. Okay. 
And how will you restore people's faith in the office of sheriff and the department as a whole and restore integrity in the office? Well, that's going to be done by the day-to-day work of our frontline people, meaning we, we currently patrol 42 contract cities in the unincorporated areas. And, and, yes, there has been a lot of question of the conduct of some sheriff's officials, but if you go to the 42 contract cities that are actually policed on the front line by the sheriff's department, they're actually very happy with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. So the areas in question that we need to restore uh, trust and integrity is the responsiveness to things such as that occurred in the jail, the responsiveness responsiveness to allegations and complaints that you had mentioned, like the Section 8 checks in, in, in the Antelope Valley. And the way we do that is by having open forums within our, each of our local communities. So, for example, I'm going to have a, a civilian um, oversight commission in each respective community. So when these and they have to have deadlines, by the way, of reporting back solutions. So, for example, if these things occurred in the Antelope Valley, they would have had a commission in that local community, and there would have been a deadline that we should have responded by. That's what I'm going to do when I'm the sheriff. So, in short, you plan on restoring faith and restoring the integrity of the office by putting up many commissions in each pl- in each location, so that way the department can be responsive or can have solutions from the people themselves. Yeah, that's correct, because, see, the, the L.A. city model that's being uh, proposed by one of my opponents who really did a lot of his tenure in LAPD, he's actually a good person, he's a good friend, but uh, my argument would be the sheriff's department's quite different. We have the courts, we have the jails, we have the metro rail, we have 42 separate contract cities with separate city councils, so we need to have them individually at the local level in each community as opposed to a one-stop shop um, in downtown L.A. Okay. And continuing on now, if a constituent were to ask you if you are elected, what will you do to reform and improve the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department? What would you say? And if a a constituent were to ask you if you are elected, what will you do to make the county safe and improve policing specifically? What would you say? Well, for starters, what what we would do is, I've I've mentioned it before, we have to continue these reforms and ensure that proper oversight and inspectional processes to ensure that the accountability measures are there. So that, that, that would be part of how I would improve our service. But for the direct front line, it would, it, it's all the priorities I mentioned before. We have to ensure that our people know what our priorities that they plan in place so people know, hey, we have to get the calls for services as quickly as possible. You know, things such as we need to modernize our sheriff's department to deal with the emerging threat of cybercrime, identity theft, and advanced technologies. So these are all quality control issues, but they also have a, uh, a direct link on public trust because if we are not able to provide the highest quality of service, then people start kind of rolling their eyes and saying, well, these guys don't know what they're doing when it comes to, let's say, identity theft, or these guys don't know what to do when it comes to... Uh, traffic or whatever the respective issue is. So that's how we restore trust in the organization. And uh, that's how I'm going to modernize and and advance our department. Okay. And speaking of reform, and you've sort of answered this question, do you support a Citizens Oversight Commission? Absolutely, I do. But I have a little bit of a twist that's directly related to the Sheriff's Department. Yes, I think that Mr. Huntsman, um, who seems to be a very... uh, We're not at Mr. Huntsman yet. Please say... ...individual and, and has the background... He needs to have the full power and access to get the information he needs to ensure the quality of internal investigations within law enforcement. My contention is that he then needs to have uh, attorney-client privilege, so therefore 
all of those sort of uh, protection or covers that peace officers have through the Peace Officer Bill of Rights, he has access to the full case files. And then, uh, but to ensure responsiveness to the community, that part, second part would be those local citizens' commissions and the local communities to ensure responsiveness back to community crises that occur as they emerge and making sure there's deadlines that we have to report within a certain amount of time that's reasonable where we'll get real answers, 30 or 60 days. We'll have to figure out what Mr. Huntsman thinks is the proper timeline to have a thorough investigation but also quick response. So you believe in the multiple many ones in many commissions, but you don't believe in one overarching Citizens Oversight Commission? Um, I do. I, I think that the uh, it would have to come under one body, and, I, and certainly Mr. Huntsman and the Board of Supervisors uh, has empowered him through the, the finances that they've provided. I think that's excellent oh, foresight by the Board of Supervisors, and Supervisor Mark Ridley-Thomas and Gloria you know, really want to expand on that by having Citizens Commission involved. And I'm, I'm supportive of that, but what I want to do is a, a structure where they're, they're related, but they have different focuses so that, that they're both getting the quality of the investigations and, and their real answers, and then also the responsiveness that the community deserves and, and expects, quite frankly. Okay. How much power would you want the many oversight commissions and the larger oversight commission to have? I want them to have full access and full power. But that only, see, my argument is that only occurs when one body, the investigative body, actually has attorney-client privileges. Because other than that, see, what my fear is is that there's a lot of uh, drum banging, as was accused that, you know, if you look at the jail commission, what they said is they even were sort of critical of the Office of Inspector, or uh, excuse me, the Office of um, uh, Independent Review, because they're saying that, hey, um, did they have full access and did they provide all the full information? And then you had special counsel, Merrick Bob, and then you had um, calls for an inspector general and then, you know, all these different oversights. And my, my question is, is when the dust settles, how much full access are they getting? So what I believe that my proposal gives full access of all of the information. Um, and so, but to ensure also the community responsiveness, I want to have that second arm, which is, commissions. So, but, but to answer your questions directly, I want them to have full access. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you want the commissions to be sort of a branch of the Inspector General's office. Is that correct or incorrect? No, that is correct. But then it allows, it allows the, uh, Mr. Huntsman then to determine what portion can be admissible, so to speak, to public forums, but it allows him to give assurances that, yes, I have quality control over those investigations, and I can attest to you that they did do proper oversight and investigation. And so it, it, it's so it's sort of assurance to our, our local commissions that um, that proper quality control was done. Because as we found, for example, Max, in, in these um, jail investigations, there was allegations of force that weren't even properly investigated. And so I can tell you right now, Mr. Huntsman's not going to tolerate that. So... Uh, sounds like some executives with and I know that some executives within the organization all the way up to high levels quite frankly missed um, the fact that they weren't properly investigated and Mr. Huntsman's going to be oversight even over those to ensure that that won't occur and if it does then people are going to be held accountable. Okay so you'd like Mr. Huntsman to be overseeing the commissions be, so that way there's quality control and to make sure that the reforms are put into place. Absolutely. Okay and 
So continuing on the lines of the inspector general then, uh, Max Huntsman, a corrupt politician's worst nightmare is the relatively new inspector general. So you believe having one is a good idea then, correct? Oh, absolutely, yes. And what will be your relationship with the inspector general, and how do you plan to work with him? Well, I mean, by giving him full authority, it's, the relationship's going to be one of openness, but my thing is we're going to have to respond to him. So I want to have a good rapport, but at the end of the day, more... Uh, more importantly, probably to him, is it's going to be that healthy respect of he will get access. And, and when I'm the sheriff, uh, individuals will know you will be responsive to him regardless of what your personal opinion is of, of the um, inspector general or the need for it. You're going to be responsible. And that's the kind of strength we need from the office of the sheriff. And they will get it when uh, you will get it when I'm the sheriff. And so you'd like his recommendations and decisions then to be binding? Uh, yeah, I, I think yes, because, uh, and but that's my whole point. They can only be binding with that that attorney-client privilege, in my opinion. That that you know that that's my opinion. Other than that, it's basically sort of uh, a political sort of, or, or I wouldn't even say political, but I'll say a, a sort of a public or media show, so to speak, because you're saying this is what I think should occur. But at the end of the day. If you have a sheriff that says, well, I just disagree, and, and we've even seen that with some other major law enforcement organizations where, well, it's my prerogative, I can do this. Well, no, I actually want it to impact the investigations while they're going on and the quality of those. And uh, so that's that's what I talk about when I talk about real reform and a real impact on the quality control of the investigation. You talk about attorney-client privilege. Then how, if if you plan to put instate that as a policy, how will the public know which deputy then is responsible, and how will they know that that deputy or higher members of higher or higher-ranking official, I should say, how will they know that that person has been held accountable? Well, because you you, you can do that because what can happen is you can be um, you can take out redact names and things of that nature, and then that's in the parameter of what's legal. Or, um, And at the end of the day, the public does have to trust some people because, and that's my point of giving full access we, uh, to certain individuals, and certainly your elected sheriff, you do have to trust that individual, and if you don't, then vote him out of office. And uh, and that, that has to occur. And But now, uh, and I remember that, that comment was actually made by Sheriff Baca, and you see what happened. He actually uh, he did step down. But I think another arm of strength that would come from um, uh, for, for the accountability measure, even to the office of the sheriff, is when you have someone with the will and fortitude and, and quite frankly, access that Mr. Huntsman will have saying, wait a minute, uh, I'm not getting... Uh, the answers that I need, or I'm not getting the impact on the quality of the investigations that I that I demand, then that is going to be made public, and those public officials that are not responsive are going to be held accountable. So that that's the important component of having the full a the full access by Mr. Huntsman's office or whichever branch would have that full access, and then b to these uh, civilian uh, oversight commissions at the local level. That that's the responsive, and because there is some positive. Um, reactions that do occur from uh, public outrage or sort of public outcry because they're going to have that responsiveness that the public demands. I mean, let's look at the, um, for example, with uh, Mr. Sterling. I mean, he... You don't need to give that as an example just because it sidetracks too much. 
Um, so then when you're, you say you'd like to give Mr. Huntsman full authority, are you, when you say full authority, do you mean full access or are, you, or are there two separate things in your mind, full authority and full access? No, he has he has the full access and authority. No, okay. It, w- w- well, why don't you tell me maybe what you, what you mean? Maybe I'm not understanding. Well, because what, you had referenced that you'd like to have Mr. Huntsman have full authority and you'd like him to have full access. I think the listeners and myself understand what full access means, but what do you mean by full authority? Okay, well, let's be clear here. Um, a law enforcement professional, the sheriff on down to the chiefs that they have, would be the person who's going to administer the discipline. There should not be somebody else administering the discipline. I don't think that's the intention of everybody. So when you say full authority, I need to understand exactly what you mean. Now, full access to, to, to then say um, these investigations are missing this component or you didn't ask these questions or you, this is a concern, you know, but, but are you... Are you saying that you think Mr. Huntsman should be the person administering the discipline, or, or what, what do you? I don't know. Do you... Two minutes ago, you said that you'd like to have mis- you'd give Mr. Huntsman full authority. I'm trying to ask you what that means in your mind. Full full authority to have the information that's normally protected by someone who doesn't have that um, those legal protections for the Peace Officer Bill of Rights. See, if you just if you you cannot the general public does not have access to. Um, investigations involving personnel investigations involving law enforcement officers okay and so i don't know if the if if the general public understands that but i'm going to make that understood right now i mean so so that's my whole point in saying him getting full access or authority that's what i meant when i said authority authority to to garner that information and have an impact and influence on the investigation that's that's what i'm talking about okay and I'd like to move on now and incorporate former Sheriff Lee Baca into our discussion. And for the purposes of disclosure and for those that do not know, what was your current and prior affiliation to Mr. Baca? Well, he was the sheriff of Los Angeles County, elected four straight terms, uh, um, and was on the department for 48 years. So I think most people within the organization certainly know him. They, they absolutely knew him as the sheriff and were subordinate to him, and myself is included. I was subordinate to the sheriff. He uh, promoted me numerous times, all the way up to uh, assistant sheriff toward the end, and um, and so people. Yeah, I don't know how else. Let, let let me rephrase the question. I guess what when did you start with the department, and what positions have you held up to now? Well, I joined the sheriff's department in 1988, and I've uh, worked at just about every position within the organization, from frontline deputy in the jail to a patrolman to patrol sergeant and special weapons operator, watch commander, lieutenant, all the way through assistant sheriff. And when were you promoted to assistant sheriff? Um, at the end of 2012, actually January of 2013 is when, um, when I brought in, right when we were um, finishing up the implementation of a lot of the recommendations uh, of the jail commissioner, or at least the core of them. Okay, and, and I, so then, right. I have to ask then, uh, even though you weren't assistant sheriff, did you know about the Compton spy plane that that happened that was watching Compton for the first for in the first, I guess, early 2012, according to the LA Times? No, I did not. I was, as you know, I was not um, involved in that. Actually, at that time, I was uh, working with the jail commission when when that decision was made. I, I'm not really certain of how that occurred, but that that was the time I was in the jails. Um, but I, I tell you right now that uh, I have 
great dialogue. I'm supported by the mayor of Compton, and I know that she would demand access uh, and knowledge of everything going on in their city, and the residents deserve that, and I would not tolerate um, secretive operations unless there's, uh, quite frankly, uh, approved through a search warrant by uh, a judge or approved through action by the courts. Uh, I, I don't like this sort of secretive without the public's knowledge uh, activity occurring. I, I don't approve of that whatsoever. Okay. And Sheriff Baca did resign, albeit at least partially for different reasons, after multiple scandals were uncovered. And we have new scandals coming out even now, since even though he's gone. What will you do to make sure that scandals that started under the previous sheriff or under your tenure are uncovered after, or what will you do about the scandals that are uncovered if you are elected that happened pre- under the previous sheriff or under your tenure since you've started? Um, I, I know I'm listening to an educated audience, so, so we, you know, I, what I do is I give the same answer to everybody. You know, if, if people want me to don a political hat and say, you elect me sheriff, you'll never have another scandal in the history of the department. And, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting that some people say, wow, okay, that's great. But, see, I don't, I don't go like that. Uh, I'm going to tell the truth. What I'm going to do is lay out policies, supervision, and training to have a competent and very skilled workforce, and I'm going to have inspectional oversights and assertive expectations out there to hold people accountable. That's how I'm going to deal with it. But, we'll, you know, it's interesting. People don't want to hear, uh, well, elect me sheriff, but I, quite frankly, I can't guarantee there won't be another panel. But isn't that the truth? At the end of the day, people need to have openness and accountability so that if misconduct occurs, people are being held accountable. And furthermore, we're minimizing those actions by doing the proper background of the quality of people that we um, hire, ensuring that we have proper supervision to hold people accountable when they mess up, and then having uh, open access and believing uh, the public when they have complaints so that they know who to complain to so that we're right on top of it when something goes sideways. But I'm not going to just sit here and lie. I'm not a politician. I'm not going to sit here and go, elect me sheriff, and none of this will happen, because that's just not the truth. The truth of the matter is we, there, when you have 18,000 employees, there will be isolated incidents. We need to minimize them. They just grew too too large, and it was too frequent for any of us, um, for any of our comfort. And I'm I'm right on the front line of agreeing with that. But what I'm here to tell you is that we will have a professional workforce, and we will hold people accountable. And we'll have people knowing the expectations of their sheriff, and that is professional conduct, uh, skilled individuals, and uh, and zero tolerance for for things that are sideways or anything afoul of the law. Okay. And would you then be comfortable and would you terminate some of your former colleagues if that knew about scandals under the Baca administration? Well, I, 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 you broke up. Can you say that one more time? Would you feel comfortable then or, and would you terminate your former colleagues who knew about the scandals during the Baca administration? Well, it is about accountability. And uh, one of the critiques I do have of uh, former Baca is that he didn't hold certain people accountable. So I would definitely hold people accountable for um, their lack, not only for direct misconduct that occurred, and, and there were 20 indictments. There was other people even before there that actually had more of a direct uh, link to some of the misconduct that was occurring in the jail. Um, but, you know, in some ways it's, it's disturbing that some of these people were indicted for what appears to be orders of higher-ranking people. And so I would 
I would uh, I would hold people accountable for their failures of even knowing what was going on in the shop. I mean, you have people that were in charge of jails that were pointing the finger at other people, either subordinates or superior officers. And what I'm saying is if you're in charge of a place, handle your business while it's going on, not after the fact. And so absolutely, to answer your question, I will have no problem in holding people accountable. And I, and I absolutely believe that there will be some people not comfortable with me taking over sheriff within the organization because they know I'll hold people accountable. I've fired people before. I've disciplined people uh, before, and so it's it's well known within the organization uh, that I won't tolerate misconduct. Okay, and yes or no question: Do you will you get to the bottom of why the FBI informant was moved in the jails? Well, what we have to do is be careful that we're not putting our nose in a federal investigation. That's what got us into trouble to begin with. So, I, to some extent, I have to defer to our partners uh, at the FBI and Department of Justice and make sure I'm not getting in the way of theirs. But what I will tell you is that I will absolutely cooperate with uh, those investigations because uh, the failure to cooperate was actually what got our organization in trouble to begin with. So that's that's about as far as I want to go with that. Okay. And last question, because we are out of time, and I'm asking you this because you are the only other, other than Sheriff Candidate Rogers, you are the only candidate who currently works in the Sheriff's Department. Now, Candidate Rogers said that he stopped the Friends of the Sheriff program. Is that true? Um, he, he must have had knowledge of a Friends of the Sheriff program, but I can tell you this right now. Um, I will not tolerate anything but the highest level of standards. So if there was any sort of buddy-buddy system or any sort of uh, problem where we're sort of lowering our hiring standards for people, then you're you damn right I'm not going to tolerate any of that. Uh, that that's, we need to ensure the highest level of uh, competencies and skills, but more importantly, uh, background and ethics of the people that we hire. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Candidate Helmold, and thank you very much for joining me in the hot seat today. It was a pleasure. The hot seat after hours starts right now. You can email the hot seat inbox at the hot seat with maxsports at gmail.com, or you can tweet me at maxsportstv. You can also read and follow my blog at maxsportstv.blogspot.com. You can subscribe to the hot seat newsletter by clicking on the link on our page. Go to annenbergradio.org slash podcast and click on the link underneath the hot seat's description and enter your email address. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me next time with Sheriff Kennedy Bob Olmstead.